In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit may be truly wise, endeavor rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Fatima, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, good evening to all of you. Uh, I have a project that I'd like to present for those who would like it. Is uh, next week it's over. Oh. I wasn't hoping that response, no? <laughs> So, given that this program is so short, uh, I have an idea for those who would like to continue, is the following. We're not going to start on the 4th of July because that's a holiday, but rather uh, start another course, but it's going to be based on... The Bible. Okay. We're going to try to get we're going to try to get a Bible, the New Testament, for all of you. And then we're going to be coming like this on Tuesday. And we're going to invite you to read one chapter, one chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. And that will be done for 28 days. St. Matthew has 28 chapters. So you're going to be reading a chap, one chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew for 28 days. And that will be the 11th of July, the 18th of July, the 25th of July, and take us up to August 1st. So, uh, those who would like to continue then uh, we invite you to already think about that. And it's just going to be the same style in which you will be reading maybe five minutes a day, but you can be reading the Bible. Okay? So already invite all of you to think about that uh, as uh, the next project. Otherwise, you come here next week, it's over. And that's the end of our summer project. So I'd like all of you to uh, already think about that. It'll be... 13 to 17 this time. And we're going to be trying to get you a gospel so you can do that reading. Okay? So that's already an invitation to think about as we arrive at the, uh, the last session, which will be next Tuesday. All right. So um, what we've done up to this point is we've given you the image of John Bosco, which is the image of the, sh the ship at sea. And remember the interpretation is the ship is the church. The storm is the world in which we live. The captain is the pope. The two pillars, the top of the two pillars, you've got the Blessed Mother. And then you have, after the Blessed Mother, you have the image of... Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And once the, the captain is able to direct that ship in between those two pillars and to anchor it, then that's symbolic of making it to heaven. And that's why we're here. We're here in this world to get to heaven. To know God, to love God, to serve God in this life so as to get to heaven. 
Okay, the topic that I'd like to address today is the topic of God's mercy and confession. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to read through the worksheet and finish a little bit earlier so you'll be able to get into your sharing groups. Okay, so in your sharing groups today, we've already divided them, and those who are new will be able to find some group for you. In your sharing groups, the facilitators just can ask you a couple of questions, and these will be the questions. What is prayer for you? How can you pray better? And what are the major obstacles in prayer? So when you go to your group, those will be the three questions. And you can just talk, maybe a minute. I don't have to talk a lot. Uh, what is prayer for you? How can you pray better? And last but not least, what do you think is a major obstacle that prevents you from really going deeper in your prayer life? So let's go to the worksheet. It's a little bit longer, so I'd like to start right away. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You all have it? Okay, none of us like being dirty. For eating, we wash and clean our hands. Doctors and nurses wash and clean their hands automatically, even without thinking. We shake somebody's hand. We do not want the person to have sneezed into his hand before shaking ours. Most likely, we wash and clean our hands and face several times during the course of the day. How often do homemakers clean their homes? Many are intent upon keeping their homes constantly clean. They'll sleep, sweep, vacuum, and dump the trash every day, if not with greater frequency. Spring cleaning. Then there are the families that have formed the annual habit of what is called spring cleaning. Its meaning? It is a thorough, total, detailed, meticulous, and demanding cleaning of the entire home and its environs. House, basement, attic, garage, storage room, bathrooms, not to mention the bedrooms, undergo a thorough and meticulous cleaning. Once done, the home is ready for inspection with velvet gloves and fine tooth comb or brush. Personal hygiene and cleanliness, and cleanliness of the soul. Once there was a person that felt very dirty, exceedingly dirty. She determined to become clean and even spotless clean. She had it planned out to the most minute detail. Off to the store, the buying had to be complete. She went on a a buying rampage of cleansing material. The best bars of soap, detergent, shampoo, absorption towels, the best in the store. After showering for an hour and more and applying all these best ingredients and drying, grooming, and spraying, she noticed something that disturbed her exceedingly. No doubt, her body was clean, as she could have imagined. However, in the depths of her soul, she felt that she was as dirty as ever. Conclusion, it wasn't so much her body that needed a thorough cleansing, It was her soul, body and soul. 
God has gifted us with a composite existence, body and soul. Both have great importance. Too many people expend time, energy, money, and efforts to maintain a strong body. Fit figure. Spotless cleanliness of body. However, all too often these same people neglect the hygiene, cleanliness, and the health of our souls. So Jesus is the divine physician and faithful friend. Jesus is not only our best friend, always there for us to listen to, to speak to, to encourage us, to support us, and to love us. His love as best friend is unconditional. At the same time, Jesus is also the divine physician. He is truly the doctor that can heal us. How does this healing come about? In the Gospels, constantly we contemplate with amazement how Jesus, his love manifests itself by healing all forms, sizes, and shapes of sicknesses, paralytics, the blind, the deaf, the mute, the lepers, the sick, and the lame, found healing by contact with Jesus, the divine physician. How and now? Even now, Jesus heals those who want to be healed. It is done through what theologians call the mystical body, which is the Catholic Church. It is the same Jesus of the Gospel that heals, but in a different way, through the sacraments. Therefore, let us get to know Jesus better through the Church and the sacraments and ask Him to heal us, to clean us and to renew us and to make us new creatures. Never have we lived in a world with so much information Never have we lived in a world with so much confusion. Let's get to know Jesus. So let's check our knowledge of Jesus and his contact within the church. Okay, let's, let's name the sacraments. First, baptism. Communion, Confirmation, Matrimony, Holy Orders, Confession, anointing of the sick. Those are the seven sacraments. Okay, write down this. So the sacraments of healing. Once again, are the sacrament of confession and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Sacrament of confession and the anointing of the sick. All right, the institution, when is it that Jesus instituted the sacrament of confession? Okay, write down Easter Sunday night. Easter Sunday night. Okay, 
write down John chapter 21, verse 21 to 23. What happened? The apostles were in the upper room for fear, and Jesus walked right through the wall. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. Whose sins you bind, they'll be held bound. We have the institution of the sacrament of confession. So, someone asked you where it is? John 21, 21 to 23. That was given on Easter Sunday night. That was the gift that Jesus gave on Easter Sunday night, which is the forgiveness of our sins. Related to the topic we addressed last week, one of the reasons why it's sometimes hard to pray is if we're giving in to sinfulness and we're not trying to overcome our sinfulness, that's a roadblock to prayer. So once we're able to come to terms with receiving God's infinite mercy through confession, then a prayer life is going to flow much better. That's the roadblock. Once we're able to purify our souls of, uh, of sin, which is the roadblock, we start to pray, it's going to be easier. And if you, you do frequent confession, you come out of confession, you feel, you feel there's peace, there's joy, there's happiness, you feel cleansed, you feel like a new person, then it's easier to talk with Jesus. Okay. So what are some of the names that are given to the sacrament of confession? Okay, these are several names. Okay, write down. It's also called penance. Penance. It's also called reconciliation. It's also called Sack of God's forgiveness and sacrament of God's mercy. Those are the different names for the sacrament. Confession means you confess the sins with your with your lips. Penance is what we have to carry out at the end of it. Mercy means God's love forgiving the sinner. In reconciliation, that's a big word which means if you have a fight with someone, then you try to make up. So reconciling means you're making up after there's been some type of conflict. So those are, those are the names. Yes? What was the last thing you said? Uh, I think I said sacrament of, of, of God's forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness. All right. Next, the minister, the minister of confession is the Catholic priest. The, the Catholic priest, he represents Jesus Christ. You have to have that understand that when you're forgiven in confession, okay, you see the, the priest there, the the man present there, but it's really Jesus that is forgiving. It's Jesus that forgives. So, he represents Christ. Okay, there's a good movie that some of you have probably seen on this topic. It's called Spanish El Gran Milagro, or in English... It's called The Great Miracle. Okay. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. If you've seen it once, see it again. So a name for Jesus, Jesus has many names, but he's the Divine Physician. So what is it? A key gospel passage that shows Jesus healing both body and soul. Okay, write down St. Mark chapter 2. 
St. Mark chapter 2. Many of you are familiar with the gospel. Maybe remember that Jesus was in, in the house and there was a man that was paralyzed and they had to carry him on a stretcher. So they couldn't get through the door, so they decided to climb up on the top of the roof. Okay, And so they broke through the roof and that paralyzed man was being lowered down. And then Jesus looked up and he said, your sins are forgiven. Okay, and then the, some of the people are criticizing Jesus saying, who can forgive sins? So Jesus could read their mind and he said, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to take your mat, get up and walk. So he went on to say, to prove that I have the power to forgive sins. He told the man, take up your mat and walk. So this man that was paralyzed, he took up his mat and he walked. So what did Jesus do? Jesus healed his body and he healed his soul. Okay? So we see Jesus as the divine physician. He healed his body and he healed his soul. All right. Number eight. Uh, another really good movie I hope you'll be able to see is called Molokai. Okay, Molokai is it's an island in Hawaii. Okay, see if you can maybe ask your parents to help you to see Molokai. It's a really good movie. Which you have this priest, his name is Father Damien, who travels to the island of Molokai, which was filled with lepers. This is about a hundred years ago. Leprosy today is called Hansen disease. And he went to that island. He knew he was going to die as a leper. He knew it. Because of the disease. It's highly contagious. And there weren't any real cures for it. So, Father Damien... His greatest suffering on the island was not the lepers or the bad smell or the lack of housing, but it, the greatest suffering was that Father Damien could not go to confession because he was the only priest on the island. I spend... Uh, I spend many hours in confession, usually four or five hours a day. Most priests will hear maybe a half hour a week, but I spend about five hours a day. I've been doing it for 37 years, so I have a lot of experience. No? And um, I cannot look in the mirror and confess my sins to the mirror. I can't do that. I have to go and get another priest to hear my confession. So we as priests... We have to confess to other priests. So Father Damien, he was the only priest on the island. So what happened? When a priest would come close by on the ship, and he couldn't disembark because of the danger of contracting leprosy, Father Damien would get in the ship, and rather a little boat, and he would row to the ship, and then when the priest was on the ship and there were other people there, Father Damien would yell out his sins. And there'd be other, other, other crewmen on the board. Because he could not, he couldn't live with a conscience that really bothered him. He couldn't live with a, with, with, with a dirty conscience. And I think that one of the reasons why so many people are sad today is that they're living with a dirty conscience. Okay? A lot of people are living with a dirty conscience. Some of you have probably heard of Shakespeare. Have you? Okay, Shakespeare. 
the greatest writer in the English language. Shakespeare wrote what? He wrote histories and tragedies and comedies. And among the greatest would be called King Lear, Othello, Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet. These are called tragedies. One of the best scenes in Macbeth is you have Lady Macbeth. She's always washing her hands. Why? Because he and her husband, they committed murder. Yeah. So she's washing her hands constantly so that she'll be freed from that blood guilt. I'll tell you a story that Father Tim Gallagher told, and I like to tell it in this context. There's a 15-year-old girl that suffered depression. So her mother decided to take her to a professional, psychologist, and she went you see the psychologist every week, and it was uh, it went it, w it went on for ten years, and the girl got worse and worse and was suicidal. So she's finally 25 years old, and the psychologist thought that she's probably going to end her life because she was so so depressed. This girl was a Catholic, but not a very strong Catholic. And the psychologist was an atheist. So one day what happens is that the psychologist enters into the Catholic church in the city and who's there is the girl that's her patient. And the psychologist was looking at the girl and saw that the girl followed a priest dressed in a black habit like me entered into the confessional. And the psychologist had never seen this before. And the psychologist was eyeing the confessional and looking at her watch. Three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. And after ten minutes, the door was open and the psychologist, who didn't believe in a miracle, believed that was a miracle. The first time in ten years she saw the girl with a smile on her face. And she put her head in her hand. She said, what I tried to accomplish in 10 years, I couldn't accomplish what happened in 10 minutes in that confessional. Yeah. It's a real story. Because psychology can help us to get in touch with our emotions. Yep. yep. To get in touch with our emotions. We all have emotions. But only Jesus through the sacraments, can heal the wounded heart. Only Jesus, only Jesus can heal the wounded heart. So Jesus wants to give you that, that interior peace and joy. It can only come through his loving heart. That's why for 37 years, almost every day, I spend four to five hours in the confessional. You know why? It's hard work for me as a priest. Try to imagine listening to problems five hours a day for 37 years. Not a piece of cake, you know? But I know how much good it does for you. And I know how good it does for me, too. So this program is designed at helping us to get to heaven. Helping us to get to heaven. Our last topic was, we have to pray. This topic is, we have to recognize that we're all sinners. Only God is perfect. We're all sinners. And only God is perfect. So never be afraid to never be afraid to go to Jesus who's present in the confessional. And you're really blessed here because most parishes have one or two priests. Here we got six priests. And we're all pretty zealous in helping people to reconcile themselves Brother J.R. is going to be ordained a priest in basically a month. No?
So we're going to have we're going to have a lot of priests, and we're very zealous. Our founder said the priest should be always should be found dead in the confession of the pulpit. I mean, pretty strong language. No? So we should be willing to preach the word of God and reconcile souls to the Lord. Remember Romans 5, where sin abounds, the mercy of God abounds all the more. Romans chapter 5. So, uh, that's, uh, that's a topic. Let, let's finish it and so you can... I'd like to say one, one other thing before we finish the sheet. Uh, we want all of you, all of you, to feel that the church, the church is not simply a building with stones and bricks. You are the living stones. You're the living stones. Okay, the church, the church is a family. We have God as our father, Jesus is our brother, and all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. You hear me? Okay, that's my interpretation, okay? You got you got you got bricks, you got mortar, you got cement, okay, fine. But what's important is that we have a family here. We're brothers and sisters. So I want you always to feel welcome in this church. You hear me? We want you to feel welcome here. Your parents love you. The priests love you. The catechists love you. The facilitators love you. We are your best friends. And I want you to experience that. This is your family. Okay? This is your family. You're always welcome. The church doors are open at 4.30 in the morning and they're closed at 8 o'clock. But we want this to be your family. And I'm going to try to, uh, try to create as many programs so you feel welcome. You feel welcome here? And among the others, they're your friends too. We're all here with God as our father. Jesus is our older brother. The Holy Spirit is our best friends. Mary's our mother. We're all united in the love of God. You hear me? We're all united. As in, in the, this is the family of God. We're not perfect. That's what I'm talking about confession. We're all sinners. But we're all striving to arrive at the same destiny, which is the internal embrace of the Heavenly Father. Okay, okay so let's, uh, let's complete this. So another movie, number eight would be, it's called Molokai. 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 M-O-L-O-K-A-I. We have the, uh, the island of Molokai where Father Damien worked with the lepers. Okay, number nine. The sacramental grace and effect, what is the specific effect that produces Holy Communion? And then... Sacrament of Grace and Confession. Okay, the sacramental grace of, of communion is nourishment. Nourishment. Okay, the biblical verse you can go to is John chapter 6. So what food is to the stomach, so communion is to the soul. Got that? The analogy? What food is to the stomach, you go to a good restaurant, you go to Denny's and you get a Grand Slam, okay? What food is to the stomach, stomach, so communion is to the soul. Okay, what about confession? Okay, what about confession? Okay, the sacramental grace of confession is healing. It's healing. As I said, Jesus is the divine physician. 
He's the one that heals our soul. So, what a doctor does to your body, Jesus does to your soul in the context of confession. So those are two analogies. Restaurant, a good meal. Okay. The Eucharist, nourishment of your, of your soul. You get sick, got to go to the doctor, have to have an operation, you're healed. When we commit a sin, we wound our soul. And the soul is healed through the blood of Christ in confession. Okay, next. What are the five steps of making a good confession? Okay, number one is examination of conscience. You examine your conscience. You can put in parentheses the Ten Commandments. Okay, the second would be contrition. Contrition or sorrow for your sins. The third step is is confessing your sins to the priest. Still number three, three qualities, three qualities of making good confession to the priest, which is taken from the diary of St. Faustina. Okay, this is still number three. Transparency, humility, and obedience. Those are the three qualities, three qualities of a good confession. Do you know what the word transparency means? It means you have to try to be clear. Then, humility, what does that mean? And don't try to justify it, just call it as it is. And then obedience, obedience, obey the, the, the penance or the advice that the confessor is going to give to you. Those are the three qualities. Transparency, try to be clear. You know, a sign of the diabolic Here's a big college word, but I'll throw it out. Have you ever heard the word ambiguity, ambiguous? Okay, that's a big word. You know what ambiguous means? It means lack of clarity. You know, you say something, there's maybe two or three or four different interpretations. That's the exact opposite of transparency. So I'm going to try to be clear, humble, and obedient. Okay, the next would be okay, firm purpose of amendment. Now, firm purpose of amendment means this. You have to try to avoid the near occasion of sin. Now this you've got to be honest with yourself. Okay, rewind the film of your life and see when, you've, when you're falling into sin, what is the person, place, thing that leads you into sin? So this, this demands examining your life to see what, what, what leads you into sin. I'm going to give you a, a, a general thing that we all understand. I mentioned it two weeks ago. When you are in a state of desolation, and desolation means when, when you feel sad and depressed, 
And we all have that. We all go through that. When you find yourself kind of sad and depressed and discouraged and nobody seems to understand me, uh, no one seems to really care for me, my love doesn't seem to have any purpose, okay? That's called the state of desolation. Okay, that's when the devil will attack you. Okay? And he's going to be looking for your kryptonite. You're going to look for, you're going to look, look for your kryptonite. Okay, when I was your age, I, I, I played baseball, and I, I threw my first no-hitter. You know why? Because I was 13, 13, 14. And um, they said, when you're four, 13 or 14, don't throw the curve. Don't throw the curve. I'll, I'll show you why. Look at this now. And you're 13 or 14, you're, you're going you're to rip your arm. It's a very violent action. When you're 15 or 16, your arm is more developed. So if, you, if you're doing this, you know, 80 times in a in a game or 70 times in a game, what's going to happen? You're going to be you're going to be ripping something. What I said, I could care less. So I practiced it probably a thousand times, and that opening game, I pitched no hitter. You know why? Because I knew that they'd never seen the curveball, and I was on and I was whiffing them right and left. It was KKK, not Ku Klux Klan, no, but. You know what K means in baseball? You know, baseball line? K means a strikeout, by the way, if you don't know anything about baseball. So, I'm saying that because I knew that they'd never seen the curveball, and I took advantage of it. So, it was coming at them, and they bailed out right over home base. So, I probably struck out at least half of them because they'd never seen the curveball before. So, the devil knows us. He knows how to throw curveballs. He knows how to throw a curve. He, know, he knows that when we're in desolation, he's going to look at your kryptonite. So this week, in prayer, you might ask yourself, what is your kryptonite? Maybe it's, maybe it's gluttony. Maybe, maybe it's gluttony. Eating. No. Maybe lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're jealous. Maybe you're proud. These these are called they're called the capital sins. They're called the capital sins. So you're in desolation. What is your kryptonite? The devil is going to go after that. You hear me? Very important. If you can understand that tonight, you're going to be living living with a huge advantage in your spiritual life. This is called self knowledge. And this, the experts in history say, he who does not, does not know history is condemned to repeat the same errors. Toynbee. Toynbee, right? He who does not know history is condemned to repeat the same errors. So we have to know our own personal history. That's the whole idea of the examination of conscience and trying to avoid the near occasion of sin. Don't play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Okay? You play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Okay, so that's the that's the fourth, and then the fifth step is to carry out the penance that's given to you. If you do that, like the girl in the story, you're leaving. You're totally forgiven. Your soul become your soul becomes. White as the snow. Give me another two minutes on this. Have any of you ever heard of a plenary indulgence? Any of you? Okay, how many have heard of a a plenary indulgence? Okay, a few of you. Okay. Now, you can receive a, a plenary indulgence. You go to confession... Say the rosary in your family. Go to Mass and receive Holy Communion. Pray for the Pope. 
and try to reject sin. Plenary indulgence means is like being baptized again. You die, you go right to heaven. That's huge. <laughs> now you heard it. Those who have been in my class, some of you have been in my classes, I've mentioned that. I've had some of you in my confirmation class. I mentioned that because I want, I want all of you to, I want you to go right to heaven. No purgatory. So all of you, if you understand this talk today, you live it out, there's a good chance when you die, you could go right to heaven. Wow. Doesn't that give you a lot of joy? Or you want to go to purgatory first? No, really, you, you could go to heaven right away. If you, if, you, if you follow this, you try to live this style of life, when you die, you can go right to heaven. And pray that when you die, you go right to heaven. God, want, God wants it more than you. I don't know about you, I want to go right to heaven. Whenever God calls me, I'm planning, I'm hoping that when I die, I'll go right to heaven. I really want that. Suffer here on earth, accept whatever cross God sends to me when I die. And I hope once I go to heaven like St. Therese, I'm going to be working harder in heaven than on earth. I believe that. If I go to, if I go to heaven, I'm going to try to work in heaven to bring as many people from, he, from earth to heaven. You know, what, what a great blessing it is to be Catholic, isn't it? Hello? What a, what, a, what a blessing it is to be a Catholic. Be thankful that you guys are Catholics. Can you imagine being a Protestant or a Jehovah Witness? you got the, all these sins piled up and you can't get them out? Yeah, the, yeah living with all that guilt and never being able to get it out, it's like a cesspool. Cesspool of trash piling up and you can't get it out. That's one of the reasons why suicide is so high. Living with unconfessed sin and guilt is hell on earth. It is. It's hell on earth. That's why Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, why is she washing her hands? The Protestants, they don't even have confession. Because she wants to be forgiven of that sin in which she and her husband Duncan that killed that innocent person. Okay. So let's move on. Okay, three key, three key biblical passages. I'll mention them. Brief summary. Luke 15. Luke 15, you can write down. It's called the Lost and Found Chapter. Father Al Hall. The Lost and Found Chapter. Because what do you have? You've got a lost sheep, and then the sheep that's found. You've got a lost coin, and then the coin that's found. Then you've got a lost son. Remember the prodigal son? You've got a lost son, the prodigal son, and he's found again. So, these passages can help you to prepare for confession. Luke 15. Number two would be John chapter 21. John 21, yeah. It's one of the most touching scenes in the Bible. Do you remember what Peter did on, uh, after um, the Last Supper when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember what he did? He denied Jesus three times. Remember that? So John 21 is after Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is walking on the seashore with Peter. And Jesus... Ask Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Okay, young people, Jesus loves you very much. You hear me? Okay. You've, you've heard that intellectually. I, I pray that that will sink into your heart. Jesus really loves you. Jesus loves you now. He'll love you tomorrow. 
No matter what you do, even if you fall in the mud up to your eyebrows, <laughs> Jesus still loves you. Okay, his love is eternal. You hear me? His love is eternal. He, he loves you. And one of the best prayers you can say is, Jesus, I love you. It's a simple prayer. Hey, you want to make your mom happy? Say, Mom, I love you. You're the best. Your mom's going to be, your mom's going to be happy for two days. She may have a heart attack because teenagers don't say it that much, okay? But you tell your mom, Mom, I love you. You're the best. Your mom is going to be happy the whole day. Just those few words. Don't you think if you say, Jesus, I love you, that he's going to experience that in the depths of his heart even more so? So John 21 is Peter is going to confession to Jesus. And he failed him three times. So Jesus has to ask him, well, do you really love me? Yes, yes, yes. Peter failed. Jesus didn't say, you failed me, go jump in the lake. I'm going to take your brother Andrew to take your place. No. He made him, he made him being the first pope. <laughs> okay, and the last passage is Mark chapter 2. I already mentioned this. Mark chapter 2, Jesus heals the paralytic. And you know who that paralytic is? Father Broom. It's Mariana. It's Eric. It's Jack. It's Yvonne. It's every one of you. We're all the paralytic. But what did Jesus do? He healed his body and he healed his soul. So I really believe if you, if you, take, if you take this seriously, you can experience an incredible mercy and peace and joy. So I'm going to pray that all of you will experience the infinite mercy of the heart of Jesus through this wonderful sacrament. Let's beg the Blessed Mother for that grace. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hello, guys.